Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Immigration has been in the headlines a lot since President Trump took office. But how much do Americans really know about the immigration laws? Well, welcome to Immigration Law 101. Joining me is Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. He was formerly the Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Immigration Litigation at the Justice Department. So, Leon, let's start with the coveted green card, which is actually pink, but was once green. It allows a lawful permanent resident to live and work in the U.S., How does an immigrant get a green card, basically? There are three main ways. One is through a family member, which is a spouse, a parent, or a child who is a U.S. citizen can petition for their parent, their spouse, or their child. Or they can petition for their sibling, but that takes a lot longer. That's about a 20-year process. That's one way. And then the second way is that an employer can petition for a person who is a foreign national, and that employment petition can get someone a green card. And then the final way is the diversity lottery that the president talks about disparagingly, but that's a lottery of 50,000 green cards that's given a year where people can apply, and if they win the lottery, they can get the green card. So most people are familiar with nanny gate stories. Since 1986, the law requires an employer to confirm the work authorization of each new hire. What does an employer have to do in practice with a new hire? So at the moment, all that is the minimum requirement is that the employer has to get two documents, or one if it's a passport, and the two documents have to prove that the person is who they say they are and that the person has legal work authorized status in the United States. So the bare minimum that people usually give, and that's the most prevalent for fraud, is they give a fake driver's license and a fake Social Security card, both that have the same name and that have a Social Security number on it. And as long as those documents do not look blatantly fake, the employer must, by law, accept those documents as proof of ability to work in the United States. What happens if they do look fake? If the employer thinks they completely look fake, so as an example, you know, a 300-pound man gives a a driver's license that says Mary Sullivan on it or something, then in that situation, the employer can choose to reject it. But if it turns out that you really did reject Mary Sullivan's application, then you can be sued for discrimination. And actually, that could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages. And so the employer is really caught between a rock and a hard place under the current system. What happens if the government finds out that you've employed an illegal immigrant? So there's different gradations of what happens. If it's the first time and it's one person, the government usually just comes by and says, get rid of this person, and that's the end of it. If it's hundreds of people, then there's two kinds of violations. There's what's called paperwork violations, which is that you didn't actually do this test of the driver's license and the Social Security card, and you didn't keep records of having done this. And that can be a couple of thousand dollars per violation. They can charge less, but they can charge up to a couple thousand dollars per violation. And then if there's what's called a pattern or practice of knowingly hiring undocumented aliens for work, then in that situation, they can actually start putting people in the company in jail, or they could criminally charge the company, which is, again, more fines that would have to be paid. 
ICE arrested just 72 managers last year compared to more than 2,300 workers in these worksite raids. And a case in point is the recent raid in Mississippi where unsealed documents allege that some supervisors and managers knew or turned a blind eye to the undocumented workers. Why are there so few prosecutions of managers and employers? It's because the legal standard is incredibly difficult in order to charge employers for criminal penalties. You have to show a pattern in practice, so that's more than one time that this happened, of knowingly, not just accepting these documents and sort of not knowing one way or the other, but of knowingly uh, employing an unauthorized alien who's knowingly unable to work in the United States. So usually, in order to not waste government resources, prosecutors will only charge employers in cases where the employer has helped to procure fake documents or has otherwise produced the fake documents for the employee to use. Have you ever represented an employer or a manager who was charged? Not criminally charged, but I've represented people who have received notices from ICE that there's something problematic in their paperwork. That's, in fact, a large component of my practice. Suppose you hire someone as an independent contractor. If you hire someone as an independent contractor, 90% of the time you'll be able to avoid liability for an undocumented worker, but you cannot do it if you know the reason you know you're hiring the uh, independent contractor is to evade the immigration law. That is still a violation, and then all of these fines and penalties that we've talked about can kick in, and you can be criminally charged if there is a pattern and practice of knowing violations. And nowadays, is it harder to get a green card than it used to be, or are the laws still basically the same at this point? Well, so because there hasn't been dramatic immigration reform since 1986, the statutes have not changed. What's happened is that each administration, as it comes in and goes out, tends to weaken or strengthen their interpretations of those statutes. And at the moment, we're at a historic tightening of the evidentiary burdens that one puts forward in order to obtain a green card. So everything is being scrutinized at a much higher level. So on the employment category, for instance, much more evidence is being required than ever before that a specific degree is needed to perform a specific job that cannot be performed by any Americans before you get the green card. It used to be, for instance, if you said, well, okay, you genuinely need an MBA to be an investment banker, that would be enough because that's a typical route, an MBA, and then you become an investment banker. Now it would say, well, why does this investment banking position need this MBA? I heard a rumor that somebody is doing investment banking without an MBA, so doesn't that disprove that you need one? And then can't you fill this with people who don't have any degree? And so that's the kind of scrutiny the government is putting on each case now, making it much, much more difficult, having to prove that every member of a profession has a certain degree in order to make that degree a requirement to do the work. Thank you so much for teaching us in Immigration 101, Leon. I know you teach this in law school, so thanks so much. That's Leon Fresco. He's a partner at Holland and Knight. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.